Hi, listeners. Welcome to the Grief Out Loud podcast produced by the Dougie Center for Grieving Children. I'm Janet Christofero and wanted to give you just a little heads up as you listen to this episode, you'll be hearing references to our old name, which was Dear Ducky. So just so you don't get too confused, you're listening to the right podcast, and we look forward to bringing you even more great content under the Grief Out Loud name. Thanks for joining us. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Dear Dougie podcast, produced by the Dougie Center for Grieving Children in Portland, Oregon. I'm Jana DeCristofero. After over 30 years of listening to the stories of grieving children, teens, young adults, and adults in our grief support groups, we wanted to share what we've learned from them with the larger community. This podcast is a way to open up the often avoided conversation about grief. While we all experience loss throughout our lives, when it occurs, most of us aren't sure what to do, how to feel, or how to talk to one another about it. So whether you're grieving a loss or wanting to support someone who is, we're here to talk about what matters the most to you in grief. Today I'm joined by Jody Brower. Hi. Welcome, Jody. Thank you. I asked Jody to join me today because one of the topics that comes up a lot in our groups here and with people that I talk to in my life is the two two really significant days that um, for people who are grieving can create a lot of concern, anxiety, dread, anticipation. And one of those is the anniversary of the death. And the second of that is the, the person's birthday. And there's plenty of other days, holidays, and unique specific occasions that were special to the person who died and the person who's grieving. But those two days are really ones that we hear quite a bit about. Jody, can you tell us a little bit about your story? Yes, my baby Silas Bogdanovich died in March 2011 of SIDS, so he died in his sleep. And one of the things that we have done to kind of help ourselves through the nightmare is to create an event called Celebrate Silas in his honor. And that's one of the things we do to celebrate his birthday. Because Silas died a week after his first birthday. A week after his first birthday, yep. So we had the birthday cards up there on the mantle as well as the bereavement cards. Mm-hmm. And when would you say, when did the Celebrate Silas idea come to you? Um, it was probably about six months after he died. I was not having very healthy grief, grieving behaviors, so I came up with this crazy idea to run one mile for each month he lived. So that was 12 miles as the, what we would do at his birthday party. And it was a way to have something physically to do and something mentally to do since we were, you know, anticipating having his second birthday party without him there. So you had six months to get ready to run 12 miles. I did. And how'd it go that first day of training? Um, I pushed myself too hard and my knees started aching and I had to kind of slow down. But it was nice to have some purpose. So something to focus on with the training and the organizing of the event. And for for those of you who are listening who are in the local Portland, Vancouver area, this year's Celebrate Silas is coming up on March 6th. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is that Saturday or Sunday? It's a Sunday. A Sunday. And I've been able to participate the last two years. It really is um, both like a heartwarming and inspiring event and just really fun to be out there with so many people who are, many people are there because they were part of Silas's life. And many people are there just to support the idea of doing something to honor somebody who has died and I you know talking with people in the event how many are there remembering people in their own lives who have died so if you're interested we'll have more details at the end of the podcast about how to sign up and register for this year's run 
Is there anything about this year's Celebrate Silas that will be different from past events? Yes, I'm trying to create a space at the event for everybody to be able to remember and celebrate their loved ones who have died. And we tried a few things last year and some of them worked and some of them didn't work. And what we're going to keep is we're going to uh, read a list of names at the beginning of the event of folks, of people that we want to remember. And this year I'm going to give each person who wants one a name tag where you will write the name of your person or, or people that you want to remember. And I'm going to encourage people to share stories about that person, ask other people about that person. So Jan, I can see you with your name tag and tell me a story about Heidi. That's such a fantastic idea and I love it for so many reasons. One is, you know, I'm always curious when I go to celebrate Silas, like who are they carrying in their hearts that day? But I also know so many people will say, you know, it'd be so nice if there was something I could wear where the general community would know I was grieving so I didn't have to go through all the like day-to-day -day conversation without people knowing what's going on for me. So I'm not advocating everyone wear a name tag with the name of the person <laughs> who died all over the place, but I think for some people there may be some relief and, oh, you have a blue name tag on, that means you're a grieving mother. And then that's just an opening if you wanted to talk about it. Right, yeah. That's a topic for a different podcast. But Sounds good. Looking forward <laughs> to seeing how that turns out at this year's event. The other thing I was thinking about is you know, how someone celebrates the anniversary of the death or the birthday of the person who died um, really is reflective of who they are and what matters to them. And it can take a while to kind of figure that out of what works for them. And I'm curious for you, Jody, and your family, how do you approach the anniversary of his death? Well, um, we get, basically we kind of ignore it a little bit. Like March is a really hard month since there's both of these two events kind of back to back. And so I try to put most of my energy into the celebration of his life that was here. Um, on the day he died, the anniversary of the day he died, I go to the Crystal Springs Rhododendron Garden. We have a bench there in his honor with his name on it. So I usually go and I put flowers on that bench and just spend some time there. And then later that day I hang out with my sister. And is that something you've done every year since Silas has died, or has that evolved over the last couple of years? Well, the first year, the bench wasn't there yet. Um, so I'm, I don't really remember, honestly, what I did the first year. But after we had the bench installed, I've done that ever since. It seems to be a pretty common refrain that I hear from people who are grieving of, I don't really remember what I did the first year, or I don't really remember much of the first year at all. Is that something that has been true for you? Certainly, yeah. I mean, it was just such a shock. You just feel like you're thrown into the tsunami. Just existing is so hard. I certainly, yeah. And I, I don't really have a lot of memories of that first year. The other thing I hear a lot from people is that the lead up can really take almost a bigger toll than the actual day itself. What's that been like for you? Uh, that's certainly true for me. Putting together the Celebrate Silas event and once it became an event we welcome the community to join us in is a lot of planning. And so it's kind of soul searching. Like I have to go and expose myself to people about what, what's happened and tell my story. And that is hard. I mean, it's good because it gives me something concrete to do in the lead up to his birthday, but it's hard. And then the actual birthday comes and it's just the sense of relief. Like it's here, we're gonna make, make it through and then it's just, I don't know, you feel like you've accomplished something, you've made it through the day. And it's the same with the lead up to his death. We have the birthday and then there's seven more days to get through. And then the anniversary of his death is here and it's like, oh, 
it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. It's almost like reaching the end of this long, hard road of imagining what it's going to be like when the day actually arrives. Have you found that having the awareness that the day is coming is helpful or not helpful for you? Um, that's hard to say because it's just, yeah, I'm so aware of it that I can't imagine what it would be like otherwise. I've heard some people say that they, they kind of know it's coming, you know, it's like in the back of, they sort of push it out of the back of their heads and then it sort of hits them and they haven't had any time to like plan ahead or think about what to do. So it seems like overall, one of the basic suggestions is to, to be aware that the day is coming and to make some kind of plan, even if that plan is to do nothing at all. You know, people can think I have to come up with this big thing. So we're not saying to people who are listening, like, make sure you run out and create a celebrate whoever run no. walk event. <laughs> no, <laughs> just not at one all. example. But that having some idea that it's coming and having some plan around it can be really helpful. And a lot of people will take the day off of work, but some people will say, no, I really want to stay focused and be at work because it helps me um, kind of just get through the day. Have you had to navigate in your family and your friend group different ways of wanting to approach the anniversary or the birthday? Yes, particularly the anniversary of his death. My husband, Peter, just like he goes to work, puts his head down and tries to just ignore it. And that's how he copes. Whereas I feel like I want to do something to acknowledge the day. It's not a day like any other. Over the years, it's been five years now, your friends start to forget. And so I've, for last year, I was like, why aren't people calling me and seeing how I'm doing? And finally, I was just like, well, I should call them and reach out and tell them that I'm having a hard time. And then they were like, oh, yeah, you know, of course you are. Let's go get a cup of coffee or go for a walk. I don't know. I've learned to be proactive about what I need. And I'm fortunate to have friends that are very responsive. I know for me, I put in my Google calendar, I have one color for my friends and family members' birthday. And I have another color for the anniversary of somebody in their life who has died so that I get a little reminder to reach out to them. And, and sometimes I wonder, for a few of my friends, it's been 10, 12 years, 15 years since the person died. And I, even I still have that hesitation, like, should I say something? It's been so long. What's your sense of that? I, my sense would be that you should always say something, that even if that has slipped their mind, they're not gonna feel bad or more sad because you've mentioned it. I think that they would feel loved that someone's still thinking about their person and them. Many of our listeners have always want to know how can I best support my friend or my family member who's grieving and so just to take note some way to always reach out on the anniversary or on the birthday or on both days. Going back to how you and Peter uh, acknowledge the anniversary of Silas's death in very different ways, do you remember much about the conversation you may have had about that or did you sort of figure it out by default that you were doing different things? Um, I think, I don't remember the first year, but I think the, the, the second year, like I wanted to go to the bench and Peter didn't want to go to the bench. And so that's when we talked about it. And I got my sister and my niece and my son, Felix, and we went to the bench and Peter didn't. And it was okay. I mean, all along, Peter and I have grieved very differently. So it was okay with me that he wanted to do something else. For a lot of families, when days like the anniversary and the birthday are coming up, it can be a time with some vulnerability to misunderstandings happening. People want to do things differently. People need to do things differently. And having those conversations can be really intimidating for people. What, how, did, 
how did you and your family figure that out, how to have those conversations, how to talk openly about these things? Well, since Peter and I grieved so differently from the start, it was really hard. And it became evident after a while that we needed to seek some help. And uh, so we went and saw a grief counselor together to kind of help us learn how to hold space for each other's grief and realize there are limited ways we could help each other, but there are small ways we could into just how to ask for help. One of the suggestions this counselor had for us is that each day we could ask each other, how has your grief been today? And so you could think about, oh, it wasn't so bad today, or it was fine until lunch, and then one of my coworkers who didn't know asked me a question, and I had to figure out what to say to that person. So that was really helpful for us, and we used that approach for a couple months, and then it just didn't seem like it, we needed to be that formal about the conversation. But having that structure at the beginning was helpful, and, and what a difference from the how are you today, or how was your day, but to really give each other permission to talk specifically about how your grief was in this day. Yes, that was really helpful for me because Peter was kind of like a head down, ignore it, go to work. And I felt like I had been swallowed by a tsunami. So we needed to have a space to, to have a little bit of how was your grief today? Because we knew both of us were grieving. It was just in such different ways. Mm-hmm. And when I talk with people about how to open up to family members or ask for that help and that support, getting really specific seems to be a helpful thing and really tangible. Um, and for so many people, they, it kind of builds and builds and builds, and then it can just be a, like, I need you to be supportive. And the other person says, I don't know what that means. That can be a pretty overwhelming request, like, support me. Uh, so asking for really specific things, like you mentioned with your friends, of I can reach out and say, hey, it's the anniversary. Can you spend some time with me? Or, you know, if you're trying to talk with a family member for the first time, to say, I really appreciate when you check in with me every day. Send me a short text just to say, thinking of you, or just really specific things. Um, you don't have to go big. It can make it a little less intimidating. Yes. So Silas would be... He'd be six. He'd, He'd be, be six, turning six turning in March six. this year. So over the last five years, what changes have you noticed in how the days feel? Uh, either during the lead-up or the days as they happen. Has there been changes over the last couple of years? Yes, and I would say it's not particular to his birthday or the anniversary of his death. Like, the days have just, all of the days have changed. I wouldn't say that it's gotten necessarily better or easier. I feel like I just got used to it. It's like you have this grief that you just hang put in your pocket and it's just always there and sometimes you notice it more than others. And at first that grief is so unfamiliar and so overwhelming. Well, it's like it's a boulder tying you down. And what a powerful thing to know about grief, at least in your situation, that it's not really necessarily about getting better or easier. It's about becoming more accommodating of it or adjusted to it. I don't know what word you would use to describe that. Well, it's kind of a strange thing. I like, I describe it as I'm a friend of grief and not a friend in a way that's like a welcome person at the table, but that I'm not a stranger to grief. And so I feel like my grief is my friend. Um, My grief is a representation of my love for Silas. It's not like I celebrate my grief, but it's okay to acknowledge my grief on a daily basis even. And as the years pass, 
when you come upon Celebrate Silas and Silas's birthday, do you have thoughts or ideas of where he would be or what he would be like at each of these years? I do. Uh, this year was particularly hard because he would have started kindergarten. And so it's like he kind of grows up in my mind. Jody, you mentioned that um, on that first anniversary that, I guess it was the second anniversary, when you reached out to your sister and your other son, Felix, and you guys went to Silas's bench together. What's it been like for you supporting Felix through this process? Well, it's been challenging, especially in the beginning where even making dinner seemed impossible. Like, I was just so sad. But I realized that he needed support. Like, I guess the main one of the main things is, like, we were totally honest with him about what was going on and... I actually called and talked to you right after Silas died. I didn't know you then and asked, like, should we bring Felix to the viewing? And you were like, you know, well, ask him to explain what's going to happen and ask him if he can come. So that's helpful, like, just to be totally honest with what's going on. And we continue to talk about Silas a lot. And I think that's helpful for our whole family. And I remember one day... Felix was in kindergarten the year after Silas died, and we were walking home together holding hands, and he said, Mom, I was really sad for a long time after Silas died, but I'm doing better now, and that felt really good. Mm -hmm. uh, he still says he gets sad sometimes, but it's mostly a reaction to my sadness. I'm not sure what to do with that, but I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. Like, he's aware of someone else's emotions, and he totally understands why I'm having these emotions, so. What's Felix's take or his role on the Celebrate Silas? I mean, here's this big community event for his baby brother. I think he's still trying to figure it out. First couple years, he didn't like it because it was before we opened it up to the public and it was just our group of friends and they would come to the house. And I think it reminded him a lot of the morning Silas died and there was a lot of people in the house. And it took a couple years for that to come out and for him to share that with me. But now I think he gets excited about it. It's at a playground, and there's lots of kids there, so they run around and play and have fun. And we go to the rhododendron garden, and he gets to show off the bench to folks. Um, I think he's happy that we're doing it. So as I think back to our conversation, a few things stand out. One is that you know being aware of the anniversary or the birthday of the person who died, making some type of plan, whatever that might look like for you, and that could change year to year, day to day. You could change the plan the moment before it happens, and that's okay, too. Mm -hmm. um, and talking with others in your, in your family, in your friend group, in your community to see what their thoughts are and how what you would like to do lines up or doesn't line up what they want to do and, and figuring out ways to get everybody's needs met. Um, building in time to focus on yourself or take care of yourself, whatever that looks like. For some people, it might be going for a run. For other people, it might be going to a movie or going to work even, whatever that looks like. And then that reaching out and asking for help for what you might need. Is there anything else that you would want to add for people to keep in mind as they navigate those two days? I would just encourage people to be gentle with themselves and kind to themselves and, you know, realize that it's going to be hard, but you're going to make it through the day. Well, thank you so much, Jody, for coming and talking with us today and for all the work, the hours and hours of work that you put into the Celebrate Silas event. For those of you who are, are listening, as I said, in the Portland area, 
You're welcome to drive from as far away as you'd like to come <laughs> to the event. It's coming up on Sunday, March 6th. And you can go to, um, there's a specific website, www.celebratesilas, which is S-I-L-A-S dot com. You can register there. You can also just donate to the event if you'd like to do that. And all the proceeds are going directly to the Dougie Center. And the goal this year is to raise $10,000. $10,000. So we would love if you want to help with that. Go to the website, sign up if you can, spread the word to your friends and your community. And we appreciate you tuning in today to listen to this episode. And if you'd like to find out more about the Dougie Center or listen to our past episodes, you can go to our website, which is D-O-U-G-Y dot O-R-G. Or you can look us up in iTunes, where we'd love if you gave us a review or a rating. It helps other people find our podcast. So thanks again, and join us again next time for another episode of the Dear Dougie podcast. Thanks for listening.